Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! And we're back with another episode of Royally Obsessed. Rachel, I just have to say really quick that neither of us could have called that the biggest thing this week would have been Prince Harry's memoir. I think that's what keeps the royals so interesting, right? We had no idea. We're like, ah, the script's pretty like, you know standard and we got some fun updates and this is like explosive update right i think the biggest thing we were like the rumors that lilibet might be christened yeah. at windsor <gasps> like that was the biggest thing and now blown out the water anyways a couple of royal reminders as always before we dive in follow us on instagram at royally obsessed podcasts and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode leave us a royal rating pretty please and send us an email at info at gallery rachel your move yeah roberta i'm surrounded by boxes there's new uh, ambient ambient noise of the street the sirens i'm back in brooklyn uh settling She's in back settling baby. in i feel like the room that look good are fins, but not <laughs> mine is like the dumping ground and that is the background you're seeing. So it takes time. It takes time. How was the actual move? Are you okay? Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm good. The move was pretty seamless. Our stove didn't work like the first night and we, and we <sighs> set off the smoke alarm. It was like, I guess the cleaning company that they used before we moved in left all these chemicals inside. I was like, great. First night we were all ready to make dinner and then we got takeout, which luckily in Brooklyn, there's quite a few options. I was going to say that's kind of the best, the best scenario though, is to just enjoy yes. the neighborhood. What did you get for takeout? Can I, I mean, pizza, obviously yes. that's been what I, I've been deprived for like 18 months of delicious Lucali and F and F pizzeria, Ooh, all local oh, spots. You're making me hungry. <laughs> the pizza scene in New York is unlike any other place. At of 10 course. In the morning. But yeah, love oh, it. but I I did want to say that I did um get a sneak peek of the first episode of Ted Lasso, which comes out this week. Wait, what? You've already seen yes, it? because I've been writing about it for Pure Wow, oh. and so I got a screener of the first episode. I'm not giving any spoilers. I'm not allowed to, but I'm just very excited. Did that you it's have to sign an NDA? Yes. Oh, that's why I haven't heard about this yet. Oh, I'm so, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I know, but how's your, how's your week been? Just really quickly. I want to hear how you're doing too. Yeah, it was good. We were at the beach actually, which was really nice. Um, and it was fine. We're going to Florida this weekend actually. So I'm really excited about that, uh, for a family reunion and I'll get to see a bunch of relatives and stuff, but we were just talking about this too. Like I feel like things, I I mean, it's just feels so up in the air still again with the Delta variant and everything. And yeah, so it's, it's a little I feel like I'm going yeah, to be more careful than I've been being lately. Like I just haven't been wearing a mask when I go out. And I think that I probably will try to start to, or at least bring one with me. I don't know. It's yeah. all, it's all just, this feels so up in the air again. So yeah, hopefully, definitely. Hopefully definitely. Stay calm. Uh, but so much to get into, as you mentioned, Harry's 
tell all memoir or whatever it's going to become. We are going to discuss all of that. Fergie's people cover story, which was a delight to read and watch some of the videos of Mike Tyndall's Euro cup experience, which he shared about on the good, the bad, and the rugby and conversations about Cornwall, but most importantly, happy birthday, Prince George. Cling, cling, cling. Happy birthday, Woo, Prince George. Cheers. I can't I believe cannot. he's eight years old. Is that what you're just actually? Yeah, I can't believe it. And I feel like it's only because like when I took my week off and I was in Maine, I spent a good amount of time with a variety of eight-year-olds and they're so precocious and insightful and thoughtful. They're real people. And not to dismiss anyone younger than eight, but I feel <laughs> like it's just, I had really in interesting conversations with them. And I just picture how George is at this age and it must be a lot of fun for Kate and William and all of their extended family. That feels very grown up, right? Eight is like actually like, what it, what grade would that be? That would be third grade or fourth? Yeah, I think so. And I'm going to send you in the chat. I'm sending you this picture because oh, I thought I this thought was it. interesting. This is Prince William shaking hands on behalf of the <gasps> monarchy at age nine. So it kind of got me thinking because I was just like, oh, you know, wow. We're really on the cusp of seeing George. I mean, obviously this is like a fun format. It's not like a formal task that Prince William in this photo is not on a royal tour. Yeah. But I just feel like we're really on the precipice of George having more formality to his day-to-day. Well, what's striking to me about the photo is that he is in a very similar suit to the one George wore at the Euro Cup. So I feel like yes. it's, it like is almost... They're almost having a twinning moment. And William looks so grown up. He's wearing a watch. Like, he's a little man. Yeah, so eight, eight, is a big, eight is a big age. And I hope that we see a new photo of George in the coming days. I know. Days. Me too. It should be later tonight, potentially. We're recording the day before this comes out. So yep. in theory, as it normally goes. But exciting. exciting week. I love birthday weeks. And I love the photos. Yes. Well, we're going to do a quick royal refreshment because as Rachel mentioned, we're recording the day before in the morning. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. So I'm drinking iced coffee. I was clinking with iced coffee. I have just tea, but I did find my Diana mug from uh, Sophie and Lily. Love which, you know, the Diana mug. It obviously has the sheep sweater. This is like throwback to the first episode of the pod, but I just, I I love this mug. Is it by Sophie and Lily? Yeah, it's Sophie or and Lily. Jennifer Vela's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. All right. Listener email. Um, we got a delightful email from Sonia who, and we've shortened it a bit for time's sake. We don't want to do that, but we just got to keep it keep it going. Uh, so it's, she says, dear Rachel and Roberta, this morning's episode had me scurrying to make notes because I'm full of opinions like that. I will try to keep this cohesive. I loved that diversity of the palace colon 10% is a lame goal. Given the stats Roberta listed. I think the staff consists of mainly old guard, white employees who have been with the queen since her coronation and are not giving up their posts. Unless they retire, those positions won't be available to fill. I think they also issue statements on the queen's behalf, and these might not actually be her thoughts. What is a reputable UK news source that is fair reporting and not caddy? Town and country, Vogue, you, thanks, Sonia, and Omid Scobie are the only ones I can stand. I I mean, I definitely hear you on those thoughts. It's interesting. As cute, this is Sonia's words, as cute as the world thought Prince George was at the soccer game dressed for a job interview, I thought it was rather sad that a little kid had to be informal wear to attend a soccer match. It's reminiscent of William and Harry attending Spice Girl concerts in the same getups. Can't the kids dress like kids while attending fun events? They are little for such a short time period. Cheers, Sonia. 
What are your thoughts, Roberta? Such a good Georgia's call attire? because I think what, what was funny was we were gushing over how cute George looked in his little miniature William suit. And so, but to think like as a kid going to this mega soccer game and just having to be in kind of this like restrictive clothing, like I wish he could have worn an England jersey. Now that Sony yeah, points that out, I'm like, wow, so true. Yeah, I was curious, like, I mean, it does seem obviously apropos for the Royals, but is there a dress code for those games? I mean, I felt like everyone, or is it just celebs, you know, David Beckham and... Tom Cruise and all of them were just really formally dressed. They were in some kind of star-studded box, which makes me think there is a dress code for that. And especially, like, I know – have you been to, like, football games where you're in a box and you have, like, the food and the drinks and, like – Yes, yes. You can go out onto the – benches or whatever but you can also yep. be inside mingling and there's definitely yeah. dress coats for that like I've been yeah. to some of those where I've had to wear a dress so I do know that that could be the case but mm-hmm. still for a little kid I don't think they would ever especially here in the United States they would never like apply this dress yeah. code to a little kid but oh totally I guess he's not little anymore so he's not he's grown up <laughs> too fast I can't handle it <laughs> all right should we move on this week yes. in royal history and now this week in royal history we have the wedding of Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson, which we haven't talked about yet on the show. I looked That's back at last exciting. July. I know. So really exciting. So we're flashing back to July 23rd, 1986, 35 years ago. Andrew and Sarah Ferguson's royal wedding took place at Westminster Abbey. It was five years after Diana and Charles tied the knot. And Sarah and Andrew were both 26 at the time, which compared to Diana was like old. I know. What, what were you doing when you were 26? Like, like, I don't a think a lifetime of experience in those five years or actually six. She was just 20. All right. So reminder that Andrew was fresh from his service in the Falklands War, which we saw in the crown. And he was a national hero, kind of. He was perceived as that way by the public. And I just think, my, how much has changed? I feel like even just talking about their wedding, I feel like, I don't know, every time his name comes up. Cringe. Yeah. Cringe, cringe, cringe factor cringe. right now. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely what a... Is it 180 that he's done? Yeah, totally. I feel like Fergie, though, similar. The public really loved her. She was relatable and fun. But the press really poked fun at Fergie's style and figure a lot of the time. And so there was all this pressure on her, especially post-Diana wedding, on her gown. I read that she lost 26 pounds ahead of her wedding day. Just a crazy transformation. That's, that's, I mean, not healthy sounding at all. She wore a dress by Linka Churak. And it was an ivory silk dress embroidered with silver embroidery. And here, I'm sending you this link actually in the chat of the dress. Okay, let me see. Can you click that? Yes. The wedding bouquet. Isn't that interesting? It's an S shape. It is. It's very 80s. Like, I feel like even just, you know, the fact that she has that little, I mean, do they still have those little holder things that you hold, you know, so it looks, it falls perfectly. I'm sure that they do, but I've never seen that. I think it's an era for us, like our generation and sort of right now, the time, the trend is more this like natural not, you know, kind of wild bouquets at weddings, but yeah, this she, is very formal. Right. Not formal, the, but constructed. There's like a plastic holder thing that she Yeah, has, that's what which, I mean. I mean, handle. maybe it makes it comfortable, but what do you think of the dress? So I think it was probably really appropriate at the time. I feel like I've looked at some more like pulled back photos. It's, it's just the, the satin, the embroidery. It's just that, style, it's just that yeah. style is like not at all my taste, but I feel like at the time, like it was probably a smash hit. 
It was, it was. The press really liked it, and so did the public. But I just thought it was funny. There's a giant silk bow on the butt that you don't really see until <laughs> you see the pictures at the back of her. And there's this giant 17-foot train and then a huge bow right on her butt. Very 80s. There was well, also- even just a little- the V at the, at the, like, the bodice where it goes down, that's very, yeah. like, princessy. Like, I feel like it's in all yeah. those sort of old Disney classics, like Sleeping Beauty and things like that. Like, the V in the dress was yes. very- she, I iconic. love this little tidbit, though. She had the letters A and S sewn into the fabric and silver beads on the train, and she had a 20-foot veil. But I'm just mad that the crown didn't do a rendition of this. I feel like we didn't get Diana's wedding and we didn't get Fergie's wedding Why in the crown. Why do you think so. that they didn't do that? Like that would have just been so wonderful to relive, especially their rendition of it. You know, totally. I feel like the budgets just don't allow for but like a big scale royal wedding. I know, are massive. I know. I know. And there's just so many interesting tidbits about this wedding, like. Sarah wore a flower crown. The wedding yes, was on let's a Wednesday. Talk about that. Wait, she wore a flower crown, and then it was like a big reveal once she signed the marriage certificate of her tiara, which I thought was such a like, why haven't it? Why hasn't anyone copied that? This is kind of a fun like transformation moment. And here I am, officially royalty. I <laughs> like loved a that. princess reveal. Yeah. yeah, and it was the York tiara, which the Queen gave to her on her wedding day. But I, I just realized that Eugenie and Beatrice didn't. Neither of them wore it, which I thought was really kind of weird. But mm-hmm. I would that think you'd is. want to like pay tribute to your mother on your wedding day. I don't know. I did love Diana's outfit though. Have you seen this? No, Click the link in it. there. Yeah, it's so loud, <laughs> but it's. It, it's oh, amazing. Wow. It's a teal Polka pencil dots. skirt and jacket with a giant black, like almost like cummerbund, and then black polka dots and a matching polka dot hat. But also and- William. <laughs> I mean, we need to talk about William's attire. I love that they had a theme of sailor costumes for the Page Boys, which yes. was again a nod to Andrew's naval career. Like he's yeah. the pride for his naval career was real, always, but at this event for sure. Yeah. Oh, and William's only four. So he's just like. Diana looks like she's wrangling them, just as we've seen Kate many times do with Charlotte and George. All right, should we move on? Perfect segue into Fergie's interview. Well, I do think it's funny because you know you talked about how she was. Fergie to the world when she got married. And then in this people interview, I loved that she talked so much about her her three different identities. It's Duchess of York, Fergie, but also Sarah. And I imagine it's hard to kind of know who to be when you show up for different things. And she's obviously lived through quite a bit, you know, and I just thought that that was really interesting. But this interview was, of course, a great big moment of promotion for her new novel, Her Heart for a Compass, which comes out on August 3rd. I'm so curious if anyone listening has pre-ordered it. I just feel like it's going to be, you know, it's a year ago we had Finding Freedom in August, and now we have Her Heart for a Compass. I cannot wait to to page through it and, and check it out. I'm so excited to read. But in the interview, she talks about a variety of topics. She doesn't seem to hold back. Also, the videos for People Magazine, they're, also, they're on their site, really show how open she was in this conversation. So on Andrew, she talks about, you know, she, her quote is, whatever challenges he has, I will stand firm to the co-parenters that we are together. I believe that he's a kind, good man, and he's been a fabulous father to the girls. I thought that was and interesting. I like that she, she calls out, like, that co-parenting as an example of how Beatrice and Edo are co-parenting Wolfie, which is his son. So I think that that's, you know, that they've set a good example. Whatever your feelings for Andrew are, mine are cringe, cringe, cringe. But like definitely, you know, that has passed on to her daughter where they have 
they are co-parenting with, you know, Wolfie's mother. So I think that that's an important call out too. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the interesting part, you know, speaking about their wedding is just how many, what the evolution of their relationship is, you know, they are divorced, but they live together. And I just think that the, the success of their ability to co-parent together probably is a really, is a big thing that they prioritize. Mm-hmm. Um, she then talks, I think the most interesting parts of the interview, it was, you know, Diana's 60th, what would have been Diana's 60th birthday. She speaks about princess Diana. And I want to play this, this clip from people. She would be so proud of her grandchildren. I mean, cause she and I, we, we were really best friends from when I was, well, I'm, I'm a year older than Diana, I think. Yes. And so, uh, we were best friends from, I think she was 14 I was 15 and then we went on all the way through and it was Diana that uh, that said no no I need you to come to stay at Windsor Castle and you need to be with my my brother-in-law Andrew and so when I came out of lunch I remember going up to her and saying oh he's really cute and uh, she said duh Fergie (laughs) but the thing that I love uh, about uh, Diana is that how proud she would be you know, how proud she would be of her boys. And I know that if Diana was here right now, Diana would be really working hard to help more people be inspired, have joy, and to look at life with optimism and hope and, and just be themselves. You know, I think just hearing her speak about Diana, it has, it really hits me hard, just how weird it must be for Fergie to not have Diana present as she becomes, you know, Fergie's becoming a grandmother. She's witnessing so much joy just through her own kids and their marriages. And it's just such a loss to not have Diana present. And probably Fergie is one of the people that feels that so intimately. Yeah. It almost like gives me the impression of like, this like lovely but sort of kooky aunt that you have that like is sharing her reminiscings and like Fergie's like so herself and I think that that's like she you know takes after Diana in a lot of ways where Diana wasn't afraid to hold back and wasn't afraid to do her own thing and I I feel like there was just such a connection between ladies however much that dissolved at the end of their relationship and before Diana's death but I do think that it's so nice to hear you know, we always talk about hearing from the royals themselves. Mm-hmm. That's and we're, we'll get into that more with Harry's book. But like, that is, I mean, you you don't get that. So this to hear her speak about it is just. She's also she's like jokey and like yeah goes off the rails a little bit sometimes. <laughs> she's yeah. like a kooky aunt in, exactly. in a lot of ways. Well, and I thought it was also interesting how she talked about the media pitting Diana and Fergie against each other right from the start. They were friends. They had the foundation of their friends from a really young age, but it is obviously, you know, given the context today with Megan and Kate, it's, it's just history repeating itself on that front. And I don't think we've thought about that as much in the, that they were, you know, Fergie's quote was in the eighties, it was Diana looking beautiful and there was fat frumpy Fergie. Uh, she was labeled the Duchess of pork in the tabloid press. And, you know, Fergie's quote is, we were just there for people to make a lot of money. At the time, we didn't, we both didn't realize that. And we were positioned yeah. as saint and sinner. And they realized that the most important thing was to re- remain robust together. And we did no matter what anyone wrote. Just the contrast. And that's, why, that's why I'm wearing this shirt. I have my Diana, Kate, and Megan shirt on. You should have on, commented but... on that from the start. I love that shirt. <laughs> no, but I do feel like it, it always is history repeating itself, whether it is Margaret being fabulous and loved by Hollywood and 
so beautiful and stunning every time she steps out and Elizabeth by contrast looking frumpy and then it's Fergie and Diana and now it's Megan and Kate and I feel like we just have to break the cycle one doesn't have to be better than the other you know yeah. and so that that's what str- I struggle with is that like this feels like every time there's two royal women we get yeah, this it's narrative always, it's and it only sucks. for the women yeah exactly it's it's awful we need to stop it and I feel like the tabloid press are the ones but most like blatantly spewing it but it but yeah. other people are doing it too and I feel like again just because you like Kate doesn't mean you can't like Megan and vice versa I just feel like that's right. really important um anyways moving on the last thing I wanted to mention about the interview which I thought was really interesting was Fergie talking about herself we're gonna play a short clip from that you are talking today to Sarah and Sarah is really authentically with you I am in present in the room with you And I feel really happy about it because I don't feel frightened that I'm going off script or that I need a publicist in the room to check I'm okay or that I need to have a lawyer present. I will answer you with authentic truth about how my heart feels. And that is really freeing. I love Sarah. I just- I do too. I, I feel like she's such a breath of fresh air and like, Mentioning a publicist and a lawyer like that, obviously, they probably are still in the room. But it just is funny that she can, like, feel so confident that she can mention it and just it it doesn't matter to her anymore. Like, she doesn't have to be coached through these things. But why do you think she has such ease? Is it age? Is it experience? I mean, she's lived 100,000 lives, it feels like, with the royals. She's had rock bottom lows and soaring highs. Why do you think that she is able to have that relaxed energy? What's interesting is like she endured so much so young with the press kind of making fun of her. And we mentioned this before with the wedding dress, like making fun of her figure, making fun of her style, comparing her to Diana. And she really just, I feel like she survived and came out on the other side as Sarah. And and like, that's what she talks about. Like she's not the Duchess. She's not Fergie. Right now she's Sarah. And it just, it feels like she experienced it all and I think she mentions this like she her daughters would say like why can't we do this mom why can't we do that and they and she was like I just I've lived through it all it's not you know it's not worth it whatever risk yeah, look at my playbook look at the what I've yeah, lived and experienced and don't just, do it <laughs> and she's just so unapologetically herself like she is like, like I want to keep saying kooky amp, but like she, she's kind of the person where like she has like the CBD drops and she's like practicing holistic wellness <laughs> and she just doesn't care. Like she has like, you know, what are those things? It's like the gemstones that you like have on your desk to like get away bad juju. I don't know. She just is like, so doesn't give a F and I love that. Yeah. I feel like she just has she exudes internal contentness in a way that I aspire to eventually have, you know, I would love it now, but I don't have it now, but I feel like it's like something that you earn over the years and you figure out for yourself. And she just seems really authentically herself as she portrayed in the interview and happy. And, but it took a long time. I think that that's a really long time now because like in contrast to Harry and Meghan who have, exited the royal family you know sarah also is not really in the fold anymore i feel like she's not like within the close-knit circle she's living there with them but not really and and mother obviously to princesses but it just it's it took a long long time and probably a lot of patience and she endured a lot of a lot of missteps yeah Yeah. a lot of missteps and that's where you get your wisdom so anyways moving on perfect segue again i'm not calling it a misstep but i'm i want to get into Harry's tell-all book that's about to come out next year.
first we're going to start with the yeah, Pearl Netflix yeah. show because I feel like just sorry Megan we're just going to get it out of the way so <laughs> because the big news here is the memoir so sorry um, so the summary of the show is an exciting tale that weaves together fantasy and history Pearl focuses on a young girl who learns to step into her own power when she embarks on a heroic adventure and meets important women from history along the way I don't know about you Rachel I'm so excited for this show I don't care that it's a kids show I mean, I am excited too. I just, I believe that it will be really interesting and I'm, I'm excited about the kids content and we've been saying that all along. We want the kids shows. (laughs) Yes. Uh, A little bit of digging revealed that, you know, although Megan's nickname is flower, we know that Doria called Megan flower when she was growing up. Megan actually means pearl. The name means (gasps) pearl. And so I think that that we might get some hints of Megan's childhood through the storytelling. Um, It's also interesting to note that the girl pearl in the show is going to be 12. And Megan, when she was 11, wrote the letter to Procter and Gamble. So really, she's kind of focusing on that time period, which I think was such a formative time for Megan. So I think that'll be interesting. The controversy though that has been taking over the tabloids before the memoir news obviously was that Megan was working on this before they left the royal family and so there is evidence and a member of the Sussex team did confirm uh page six was told that the Netflix series was originally just one of a number of one-off advocacy projects that Markle started work on while a working member of the royal family because it's an advocacy project and it's charity, it's okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but these other projects were like her charity cookbook, uh, the community cookbook for the London Grenfell Fire, the British Vogue issue that she edited. Um, so, you know, people are up in arms about this because obviously in the Oprah interview, Harry and Megan said this was never part of the plan to have the Netflix and Spotify deals. So their credibility is a little tenuous. I just feel like that they should have, I guess, clarified. And obviously it's probably too much to get into in this, you know, Oprah interview. But I do think that people now are able to kind of say, well, look, they lied about this, which I don't agree with. I don't agree with it all. But I think that that's what people are are latching onto. It's like, look, well, they lied about that. So what else are they lying about? And that really stinks. The Sussex team obviously feels confident enough to confirm that, yes, she was in talks with David Furnish, who is Elton John's husband, before they left the royal family. And I actually liked that the Daily Mail kind of took the high road for once. They said, it is therefore possible that the Netflix deal is something altogether separate from this newly announced show, which Megan could have been working on for years. So they do say there is definitely there could be um, a separation of these two things. And so it's not clear that she broke any rules or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Rachel, I mean, what if do you it's, think? if it's an advocacy project, I don't see that there would be, have been any conflict, but also in that, in that interview with Oprah, didn't they say that they, the Royal family was encouraging Megan to go back into acting and do those kinds of things to make money. So I feel like it, it seems like there was potentially conflicting, you know, objectives for Megan from the Royal family too. But like you said, I completely agree that with Oprah, it's like how much footage didn't even make it in, you know, they have to kind of move the story along and hit the points. It's hard. It's like, do we want a timeline produced? There's just a lot of gray areas we can't understand. Well, and like, we don't know what NDAs they signed with Netflix, like getting into the nitty gritty details of when things were worked out. It doesn't matter that much. Yeah. I feel like it doesn't really matter. (laughs) 
like, I don't know why that that's are what I would fixate on. It doesn't matter. I want to fixate on Prince Harry's memoir. Okay, let's get into <laughs> it. All right, so we know kind of from the timing of this that it was probably leaked. Page six had the first scoop. Harry's spokesman said that he told his family, including the Queen, very recently. Actually, and this is kind of interesting, when Charles and Camilla were on their Cornwall tour and visit, Charles' secretary was told about the memoir right before the news came out, and the the secretary said, oh, gosh. So they were totally blindsided. But I think it's interesting to note that Harry's spokesman confirmed he told his family, but I don't think he means Prince Charles because they definitely were not told. This was a surprise to them. Was the, oh, gosh, was that? something that was recorded or how did you know um, that they said oh gosh so the reporters there like picked up on that and i guess it, it made it into one of their articles they said like this is what the aides said when they were told yeah. i know um obviously not like it wasn't but you'd think if william official knew, like, he would tell charles like i feel like it's like if the queen knew or something they'd be like oh heads up or you know there would be but maybe if harry didn't tell him directly potentially we don't really know but but it is interesting. Well, and I think that's how quickly it just kind of all came out. It and came so, out really quickly because when we saw that report in page six, we were like, mm, I don't know. And then it was all the reputable reporters that we follow confirmed it. So, yeah. And it's interesting because the tabloids aren't making that big a deal out of when the queen knew. And I think that that's because they're a little wary of getting into these like lawsuits with Harry because I think Harry's spokespeople are confirming that he did tell the queen before. And so Mm -hmm. it says a source told the son that Harry did scramble to contact his family only when he knew the story was coming out. So just moments before it became public, he was, I guess, able to let them know. So there wasn't like advance, advance notice. No, there wasn't the total heads up. Um, A few quick facts. They're probably getting used to that with Harry, wouldn't you? (laughs) I would think. I would think it's like. Love him, but gosh, it has to feel like a little stressful in that regard with all the, you know, I'm just comparing to the past. Well, and like, is it a text chain? Like, how is he getting this news quickly? to WhatsApp chain. You know what I mean? Like, I think it has to be something like that because otherwise you would have people BCC'd on an email thread. I don't know. Just yeah. get messy. It's so confusing though. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, maybe we just don't know anything. And like, there really is. They've chatted and like, everything's fine. But I don't I don't know. It's like, we yeah. hear all this. That's why I want this tell-all or this memoir from Harry's mouth, which we'll get into. Yes. So the publisher is Penguin Random House. Same publisher as the Obama's biography. His advance is believed to be $20 million, which Harry wow. has said he's donating the proceeds to charity. I wonder which uh, charity or if he'll spread it out or... Yeah, that's a lot, too. So that's exciting. And it is being ghostwritten by Pulitzer Prize winner J.R. Moringer, who probably Harry was introed by George Clooney because George Clooney is actually directing the adaptation of J.R. Moringer's book, The Tender Bar. So that connection, you know, George Clooney was at the wedding. I feel Maul like that's Meghan how it all friends. came to yeah. be. Yeah, George Clooney is like the puzzle, the missing puzzle piece that links this all together. I'm really excited about the tender bar just because, you know, I believe it starts Ben Affleck, which I feel like my Boston roots, I always kind of root for Ben Affleck. But, but I And also Lily was, Robb, who, do you know Lily Robb? No. Love, love her. She's from American she Horror Story. She's, okay, okay. Yeah, she's really good. And, and I, I, I love George Clooney. Like I have a weird obsession with George Clooney. I think he's adorable. <laughs> I love his jokes. But anyways, I think J.R. Moringer, what he is also known for is writing Andre Agassi's memoir. Yeah. And Phil Knight as well. The Nike guy. I don't know. That's all I know. Sports. <laughs> yeah. But so Andre Agassi's memoir was named one of the best sports memoirs ever written. And wow. I think that just knowing the credibility of this person, obviously the Pulitzer Prize, all that stuff, you know, it seems like Harry has picked a wonderful person to share his story or 
to tell his story. All right. So the due date for the manuscript is supposedly this October. It was originally August. and But it's already written, basically. Like, the due date is... Well, didn't he bump the... Like, he was delayed when he submitted the manuscript or something? Like, he asked for a little bit of an extension, or was that just... Yes. Yes. It was supposed to be August, I guess. Yeah. Who knows? But it was supposed to be August, and then it was bumped to October. He's been a little busy. He's had his hands a little full. They obviously (laughs) have, you know, a baby right now. So it's just a newborn. Um, But it's supposedly going to come out in fall 2022. And the speculation is that it will be timed around 25 years since Diana's passing, which would be August. So 25 years since she passed away. It's also interesting to note that you know, the bullying allegations against Meghan Markle from the palace, those findings were going to be revealed in 2022. So palace courtiers have that, you know, holding that over his head. Harry has this memoir. So I don't Gosh. think, you know, they want, it's it's all, it's all a chess game, it feels like. I wonder how much will have to be updated as, you know, you get closer to that fall 2022 release date. But it is interesting because, you know, I think with Harry, I mean, what is your reaction to this book? Are you excited? Are you, what are your thoughts? I'm really excited. I mean, we always talk about how it's so refreshing given we hear always from secondhand sources, these royal sources about what the royals are doing and thinking and saying. I think it's so refreshing to hear from them. You know, we we got that from The Me You Can't See. We got that from Harry being an armchair expert. We got that from the Oprah interview. You know, even Fergie's people interview. Mm-hmm. I just think that that is what we really need is to hear – And I think it's important to point out it's Harry's version of events. And we know that. But it is like how Finding Freedom, even just enlightening us about the love story between him and Meghan, like I think that's going to be so interesting. It doesn't have to be all this juicy gossip about the royal family to sell copies. Like even hearing, you know, how their first dates went, I like their trip to Botswana, I think those things are what I'm most excited for. What about you? Do you think that will all be included or – I hope so. I hope so. I made a list of things I wanted them to include, so I'll I'll read it really quick. Okay. So, you know, his side of the story of, you know, his romance with Megan, his firsthand account of Diana as mom, his military days. I also would hope that he'd address, you know, his partying in Vegas, his Nazi costume, how, you know, how he feels about that now. Prince Andrew, possibly, what really happened with Megan's wedding tiara. That was such a big deal. And, like, I would love for him to clear the air on that. The fact that, like, which staff denied Megan's mental health struggles. I mean, that was a huge part of the mm-hmm. Oprah interview. Maybe even, like, how he feels about Camilla. I don't know. Like, that's where it tends yeah. to get a little gossipy and juicy. But I think, you know, Harry doesn't hold back any punches. We know in the Oprah interview, he said his dad and brother were basically prisoners in the royal mm-hmm. family. I don't – I really don't think he's going to hold back, especially – you know, the point is being made in the tabloids is that with a $20 million advance, like it really, he had to sign on to tell all, I yeah. mean, he, you know? So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I really don't think he's going to completely blow up the family. I mean, I, but then I'm also like the Oprah interview kind of did blow up the family, you know, yeah. with just the, what he shared there. So I'm not sure how much he'll hold back or if he will hold back or, but he did, you know, they just named their daughter Lilibet. I feel like they definitely have a lot of respect for the queen. So what is Harry's goal ultimately with this and in relationship to the monarchy? I will admit, I'm, you know, this might be like a con an opposite opinion of other people, but I just, I did feel a little whiplash when I saw the news just because I was like, oh my gosh, we just had the Oprah interview. We've had a lot of revelations this year, but I like that there'll be space. We can like get 
our hearts ready for fall 2022, because it will likely be a lot to process and take in. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, for Harry, it's like a lot of people are questioning the timing. Like they're saying like, well, look, the, you know, the Duke of Windsor, uh, King, you know, former King Edward waited 15 years to write his story, a King story, which like eye roll like you weren't a king for that long but whatever um but it you know why couldn't harry wait and give it space but i think for harry knowing you know his mother was taken from him suddenly life is short we don't know what's around the corner and he has to get his story out and he wants to get it out god forbid anything happens you know so i think that, that he wants to tell the truth and he wants it to be out there to end on a kind of a fun note so i think we should workshop some titles for the memoir yes i was inspired by laney gossip i have to give credit where credit is due laney gossip called her article harry his true story and i was like oh my god so good just taking after diana and yes so then i came up with harry in his own words similar Mm -hmm. the windsors of change like the winds of change that's becoming harry like michelle obama roberta i'm just interjecting roberta has a talent for this like she i feel like when it was like my wedding hashtag i like didn't know you that well and i was like i need you to write it and you what was your what is your wedding hashtag what was it why can i not remember now i think it was when bowie tied the knot or tied a knot with a bowie or something oh my gosh why now i'm mentioning it and i can't it's kind um, of long-winded yeah, tying the knot with a Bowie. You're right. Yeah. Tying, it was cute. tying the knot with a Bowie. And obviously it was Not like- Not to toot my own horn. I, I thought, thought it was, it was brilliant. And I was like, it's long, but I love it. And we're doing I it. I should be a memoir titleist. That's yes. it. That's well, like I remember Finding career. Freedom. You were like, this is not the best title. Yeah. I, I, I know. Now it I'm grew like, on us. Now we it love g- it. It definitely grew on me. It definitely grew on me. you say it, it rolls off the tongue. All right. So, so we have, last one was Becoming Harry. Next is When Harry Met Megan. If it's more of a romance memoir, never part of the plan, which is a quote from the Oprah interview. I love that you were just spitballing all of these. I was brain, I was workshopping, brainstorming. I should hire you. I know. I'm like, these are probably delusional now. I was like up till midnight thinking. (laughs) If you get it right, I mean, we need to like take a bet, and then we will like, I don't know. Everyone should pay you something. (laughs) Well, everyone, every row row should send us their ideas for this because I bet there are some brilliant ideas. Yes, please. That's such a good idea. Yes. Heart of Harry, like Heart of Invictus, Just Harry, which he said before, he's like, I'm just Harry. And Harry at home, which this is a major throwback, was pulled from his birth announcement where they said it's Prince Henry, but he'll be known as Harry at home. Oh, that's a great idea, Roberta. I'm what really partial think? to just Harry. I feel just like Harry. that would be great. But also Harry, his true story would be really cool. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Also, we have to mention that the news broke that Prince William is also working on a book, but hold your breath, not a memoir. He's writing the intro for a book about Earthshot titled Earthshot, How to Save Our Planet that will be out September 30th. So yeah, well, obviously, too, like we have to William isn't in a position where he can do a memoir. Like, unfortunately, that's the hard thing with this always is that there everyone has their own perspective on what went down. And, you know, that's what makes life so interesting is we all experience it so uniquely. But, you know, 
Would we love a memoir from William? Of course. I would love to know. Last thing, I feel like I just said this, that was the last thing, but the last, last thing I want to say is like, do you think there'll be reactionary stuff from the palace? Like, will, you know, my first reaction was, oh God, the queen might strip their titles because of this. Like, this is a huge deal. The tabloids are now reporting that they might get disinvited from the Platinum Jubilee next year. Are the Cambridges going to go on the charm offensive, you know, and, and you know, we're probably going to get a picture of Prince George. I just, for his birthday, I just think, you know, what's going to be the reaction from the rest of the royal family? Well, I just feel like over the course of this next year and a half before, or year-ish before the memoir comes out, we will likely see quite an evolution within the royal family as well. You know, there's going, we're on the precipice, I keep saying precipice, but we're on the precipice <laughs> of a lot of change. You know, I think- yeah the queen is 95, will reactions to these kinds of stories evolve when Charles is king, when William has more of a, you know, prominent role mm-hmm. as heir to the throne? Like, I'm just so curious because I, right now I don't think that there will be much more than a statement, but that's low expectations. And for, you know, from the royal family perspective, I would think that, you know, a reactionary backlash it's, it doesn't play well either way because it looks like, A, they're, you know, upset and threatened by this book, which they don't want to seem, they want to seem like unbothered. Mm-hmm. But also, if they don't do anything, I think that this thing will, this will continue to happen. And yeah. I don't know. But that's I don't know. why I feel I like their method continues to not work because we just are living in a society that wants transparency. And yes, you don't need to speak to everything like that gets overwhelming, but I think it's hard to just have canned statements because I don't think it plays well in this current era. Well, and also it's just the media strategy doesn't play well either where attacking the Sussexes has never really worked out. So I think like, what if they try to just be more kind and understanding of them? Like, I think, I don't know. We, we could all use more kindness in our lives, I think. And so that's, that's yeah. Last something. thing I'm saying, last, last, last thing I'm going to say <laughs> on this is just, I do say that I, I shared my point of view on this because I have a great amount of faith in William and Kate and even in, you know, Charles to learn from their mistakes. I'm not about this cancel culture kind of idea mm-hmm. where I just, mm-hmm. I want them to evolve and take a lot of learnings from what has happened. I love them. I mean, I'm, I'm really obsessed. I love the monarchy. So I just feel like let's see how this plays out and try to keep faith that they are going to be better. Yes. And on that note, our highs and lows, it's time for the Royal highs and lows. All right. My low this week is that as touching as this video with Prince William and Welsh middleweight boxer for Team Great Britain, Lauren Price is, the cake that they screenshotted and shared to their Instagram stories is heinous. I'm sorry. I've probably been watching too <laughs> much Baker. Great, yeah. I've been watching way too much Great British oh, Bake Off, but like the, the font is awful. There's so much fondant. The, the boxing gloves on the top are made completely of fondant. It's also, I just, it, the Olympics in general have been giving me stress because I feel like there's all these headlines about a $20 billion mistake. There's 71 people associated with the games that now have COVID, including tennis player Coco Goff. Now they're saying it could get canceled at the last minute, although I think it started today. So I just want to say protect Simone Biles at all costs. And Lauren. <laughs> and Lauren, who is her here. Uh, my low, I'm going to play a clip. It's about, it's from Mike Tyndall on the Good Band, the Rugby, about the Euro Cup. A guy who was 
there the whole time, smashed out of his face, literally didn't watch any of the game anyway, was just too busy shouting at supporters that they should be standing on their feet, ends up getting into a fight with another one that's straight behind my seat. It got to a stage where this guy literally was trying to pile this guy in the face. There was a kid next to us. There was a kid on the other side crying because he couldn't see the game because of all the guys stood in the galleyway. And I just I had to sort of just pull these guys apart. And I said to one of them, what are you doing? Just what are you doing? And then, you know, he wandered off, blood all over him. Uh, the guy on the floor had blood all over him. I was just like, you know, these these kids, what are they what are they learning about going to a live football game? I think this was a low because I relate to this. I remember as a kid going to a Red Sox game and having bleacher seats with my parents and I was probably George's age around there and I was so pumped to go to the game. I loved the Red Sox. And there were four top, like, toxically drunk guys behind me. And I was so scared the whole game that I couldn't focus on the game. Like I was just like, cause they yeah. were really belligerent that I think, you know, just hearing Mike Tyndall talk about this, it is a crappy environment for kids. Sometimes obviously people are drinking at games. Like I'm not against that by any means, but it's like yeah. when people get to that level, like bloody, like on the ground fighting, like he had a break of a fight. Yeah. Oh, I don't like terrifying. that. And then, yeah. Anyways, total low hearing that. All right. My podcast. Hot. <laughs> yes. Shout out the podcast. My hi this week is Edo's anniversary post for oh, I'm so his glad you and chose Beatrice's this. one My year wedding swells. anniversary. He's so sappy. I just love it. He said, I can't believe it's been one year. Every second of every day has been so full of joy, happiness, laughter, and love. You're the kindest, loveliest, and most beautiful person in the world. Thank you, my darling, for every second. Okay, but Rachel, I'm going to blow your mind. He's 37. He looks 15. I can't get over it. Like, what are you, what is your skincare routine, Edo? Like, what his is hair it? Also his also. jeans are amazing. Beautiful hair, just, yes. His skin in the selfie they posted, which the selfie is wonderful. We need more royal selfies. You think it was filtered at all or no? Maybe, but they don't skin, really, yeah. He's not a filter guy. I'm just he, living for his real estate content. He's just so cute. I just think he's so cute. Okay, my high. Charles and Camilla's trip to Cornwall. I've got Cornwall on the brain because a lot of my friends, you know, it's the time to go there. It's beautiful beaches, all that stuff. I have a couple of mm-hmm. friends that have been visiting recently and I'm just salivating over their Instagram photos. Wow, he was why there. didn't we get the invitation? Take us I know. with you, friends. <laughs> I keep actually, I think those are my comments on their photos. But it's, you know, <laughs> Charles and Camilla's annual trip to the Isles of Scilly. I think that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. They, you know, saw the author of War Horse. They met with them, a Cam- which was a Camilla book pick. They popped by the Heron Valley Orchards. We got a great shot of Charles and Sonny's. If you want to click that link, I just love the see. sunglass moments. Like, wouldn't it be great if there was like what charlesmore.com <laughs> yes it you know would he is be. really big on sustainability and stuff like that and i was curious if it was maybe like a belated birthday visit for camilla i know it was an official tour but again i just really have cornwall on the mind and i did a little airbnb looking as well <laughs> and they just they're amazing places to say let me click on these airbnbs yeah go for it i i didn't Price was not an <gasps> obstacle in these searches. Oh so these God. were like 500 pounds a night or something like that. But my it gosh. looks like Santorini almost. It's that beautiful. Is stunning. Wow. We have uh, to go. Yeah. So, you know, of course, this is also there's Freedom Day in the UK that they just celebrated as well. And which is interesting because cases are soaring. And anyways, just, you know, but travel, it's nice to see travel picks. I really want to go. I, I, I feel like I'm sad that the levels are being raised because I want to get to the UK now and go to Cornwall. Totally. I know. Fingers crossed that like the fall, it still stays. Cases drop and that we, you know, we must to Cornwall. That's my high. 
Yes, yes. All right, just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. Pretty please, a five-star review would make our week. And reminders to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. You can also follow us personally. I'm at Robbie Frito. And I'm at RKBNYC. Until next week, God, God save, save the, the pod. pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.